0: I'm going to give a little bit of instruction uh, to, to the audience, however, uh, <laughs> which is that in a moment, you are going to hear a little bit of music and I would like the audience to cheer wildly as if this is the reason you came to a formation as if were here. Uh, Wait, so we're not allowed to cheer? As up? if Brittany were here. Yeah. Do so, we cheer? Um, if, if you want. So, not too
1: close to the mic though. So.
2: Cheer, cheer
0: away from the mic and it'll
3: sound like more We could like
2: just do audience. it quietly, like, yay.
1: And just one more thing, if we cannot hit the table, because oh. every time I hit, so there's a big... Can I bring this closer? How, you can do, how you can far away closer. do I need to be? You can bring it closer.
2: <laughs> oh my God,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 this is going to be awesome. I'm not... I
2: oh. they should have blown my nose.
0: Okay, the music is going to pick up in a second, and that's when y'all should cheer. <laughs> Okay, cheer now. <laughs> Live from Addison 207 at the E-Formation 2016 conference at Virginia Theological Seminary, this is the giant podcast Megamix featuring the hosts of Story Divine, two bald pastors, this everyday holy, the collect call, And I need to uh, turn this off. Stop! I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am co-host of The Collect Call. And with me are some amazing people. Should we just go down the line and introduce ourselves?
4: Sure, I'm Casey Fitzgerald, co-host with my dog of Story Divine. Mihi Kim
2: Court with This Everyday Holy.
1: Joe McGarry with Two Bald Pastors. I'm the co-host with Jeff Sinabaldo.
0: Thank you so very
1: much. So one of the things that we want to talk about
0: today is you know, one of the themes that I think of the conference today, at at least all the workshops uh, that I went to, is how we tell our stories of faith. So, just thinking about some of the things I participated in today, I was at a, a video workshop first thing this morning about how we tell our stories succinctly uh, in video form, and then I led you know a workshop about Britney Spears and podcasting, and uh, then Casey told us about biblical storytelling and uh, kind of made that super interactive. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about some of what we have been attempting to do with our own podcasts uh, and thinking about some of the high points of our podcasting careers and how it is that those came to be and some of the relationships we've developed to make those happen. Before we get to that, I do want to call out one very special guest uh, who is here in the audience today. And that is Regina Heater, who is sitting over there. So, selfishly, the reason that I'm thrilled Regina is here is Regina was one of the Colic calls' very first listeners and an early cheerleader and encourager. But beyond that, she is actually the connection point for three of us here. Uh, Regina's prolific tweeting was uh, what made me aware of your show, Casey, Mm -hmm. and uh, Mihi, your show, as well. So, Regina, where are you from?
5: I'm from New Jersey.
0: Okay. Where
3: the cool people are from. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: so you, you should actually sit up here so you're near a mic, please. All <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: sit, like, here will that work? Yeah. All okay.
0: right. So, but it's funny. You're from New Jersey introducing us on Twitter, and Mihi lives, like, right down the road from me, yeah. where I used to live. I used to live in Bloomington. Oh, nice. So. Go Hoosiers. Yeah. Well, so uh, just to get started here, we have actually a variety of shows represented. So for those who may not be familiar with what it is we're up to, Can we just say a little bit about what our shows are about, Casey?
4: Sure. So my show is Story Divine. It's on a little bit of a hiatus, a baby hiatus. It goes week to week telling stories from the lectionary, the upcoming lectionary. And basically, I tell a story from Scripture, and then I talk a little bit about it. And then just I give a storytelling prompt for listeners to consider their own stories in the context of the biblical story most of them are pretty short. I've tried to keep it compact that people can listen on their way to work. Um, hopefully, their commute isn't that long, and uh, <laughs> and away we go. So that's been that's that's basically the gist of
0: mine. So what about you, Mihi? This everyday holy um, is
2: basically an audio journal, is what I've come to realize. It's a little bit of a verbal kind of blog. I'm not serving at a church right now, so it became a way for me to do a little bit of preaching every week. Just a way to sort of process the various lectionary passages and be intentional about integrating it with the everyday stuff of my life. And then I started to invite folks to send in their own reflections and clips, audio clips of their own lives. And so we've got, you know, everything from babies screaming in the baths to people grinding coffee, people taking walks out in traffic. I mean not out in traffic. <laughs> Sometimes that's was interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a really short kind of audio podcast. clip. Um.
2: But I am also on a little bit of hiatus, but not a baby hiatus, a lazy hiatus. <laughs> so hopefully we'll be inspired to get back into it. But it's, uh, it's a learning process. It's, it's been sort of a steep learning curve this last year, trying to figure out all the technology for it. But it's been really fun and a way for me to have sort of a creative outlet.
1: So, Joe? The Two Bald Pastors started out as a joint venture between me and Jeff. We get together and talk about connecting our faith with our life. That's kind of our overarching theme. And we interview somebody one week, and then the next week, Jeff and I kind of pull things out that interest us from that interview, and we talk about it for a little bit. So we really kind of hit the high note, our first episode, where we interviewed the national bishop for the elca so we said where can we go from here you know but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really fun formation. Really yeah. now we are hitting our uh, hitting our pinnacle you know
0: <laughs> so i i'm curious who is the intended audience for for each of your shows then like so who did you intend the audience to be and to the extent that you know who is your audience actually how is that how is that different
4: My mom, sometimes. (laughs) Depends on if I add a story about my own life, then maybe I don't want her to be my audience. But no, I'm just kidding, Mom. Mom, I love you. (laughs) Um, And I hope you'll answer these questions, too.
0: Oh. well, No pressure. Yeah, okay.
4: Um, So my intended audience was anyone that wanted to hear a biblical story. Actually, I was hoping that churches would use it to help their congregants prepare in the week ahead that maybe lay readers and readers who are clergy would hear the story told as I tell it, or sometimes I invite other people to tell stories on the podcast and have that be a sermon preparation activity, but also to help people consider how they might tell the story in worship on Sundays. I think that there is a pretty broad mix of people, ministers, and uh, I, I don't really like the I don't know what lay people, but... um, Just
0: lay
6: people. Not just lay people, (laughs) right. um,
4: Everyone to listen. I have no idea who's listening, and I have no idea why some episodes, like, blow up and other ones... I think it goes by title, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of fun making cover art and naming the episodes. Sometimes they are relevant to what actually happens in the episode. sometimes they're not, but I'm guessing that has something to do with it, so
0: before we go down the line, since I did forget to say what I do. Um, the collect call started out because, so not everybody here is Episcopalian. Actually, gosh, I'm the only Episcopalian on the panel. And we're in full communion with you guys. We are, yeah. 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 we I don't tight. know about these Presbyterians. <laughs> <laughs> we're in full communion with you guys, too. So yeah. God is about us. All oh, right. <laughs> in the uh, liturgy in the Episcopal Church, and I think in other liturgical churches as well, there's a prayer at the beginning of the service that changes every week. I've been Episcopalian for, whatever, 18 years. What?
3: Okay, God, there's a shocked look. i Episcopalian what? that
0: long. Well, what? So I, I was back...
3: just edit that out.
0: <laughs> okay, so what you're saying is that I look really young because I was baptized when I was 21.
3: Yeah...
6: <laughs> that's <it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah yes, that's yeah what she was saying. Yes, exactly, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Not>. <laughs>
0: okay. okay. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> but, but throughout my entire history in the Episcopal Church, that prayer is like auditory kryptonite to me. I just can't hear it the podcast started as a pilot project with my friend Holly who is the better half of the podcast for sure and the whole idea was there's this little piece of text that I ignore every single week let's figure out what that's about Hmm. You know, some of those collects are like 1,500 years old. Yeah. It's crazy. And there's a lot of stuff in there, uh, and maybe arguably a lot more than you can process in a paragraph that gets read through pretty quickly. But it, it's, for me, it's changed the way that I experience worship. Hmm. And our intended audience was... I, I don't know who we really thought it was. We're pretty sure the majority of our listeners are clergy people. Mm. Uh, who are listening to lay people for advice on whatever, and that's cool. It, it's kind of weird, but it's fun. We've been at it for two years now and we've started repeating the collects, and it's been interesting to see how our views of them have changed over time. Mm-hmm. And we talk about all kinds of other stuff, too, principally cats and Britney Spears. So
2: <laughs> right. Those sound really relevant. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so our intended audience really is just anybody that wants to listen. You know, I, I, we don't think we were really going after a particular group. We tend to really talk about issues that revolve around the church and how the church can really help folks connect their faith with their life. If the church is not doing that, then we say, oh, maybe we could think about it doing it this way or that way, so.
2: I, I didn't really have an intended audience. I, I was thinking, because it was the lectionary passages, that it would be clergy people. Um, but. Uh, if I don't know who listens. you know like I'll get some comments from folks that um, you know, like friends from within Bloomington or I mean, my mom definitely doesn't listen to it <laughs> and will not be listening to this. No offense. I'd hope that it would be sort of a wider audience, just, you know, similar to some of my blog writing, just to be able to touch on various aspects of uh, faith life and being able to show that you could engage the scriptures in a lot of different ways and to be able to engage it from your own context and what's happening in your life, whether you're a mother of young children, whether you're a single person working at a church, homeschooling your kids, or, you know, there are a lot of life situations that I was hoping to create a space for. and. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really feel like I you know, was really pursuing a specific audience, but it's become a little bit more broad.
0: Well, one of the things that I thought we could do today is I, I thought we could each play a, a short clip from each of our shows. I kind of asked everybody in advance if you had sort of a high point at the show. And so we can give our audience a little bit of a, uh, of a feel for what the shows are about and maybe uh, each of us can kind of describe what brought us to that moment. So Joe, I'm going to start with you. you okay. You sent me this clip, which uh, I will play. Should I set
1: it up first, or are you going to play it first? Uh, Do you want to set it up? Go for it. Sure. So this particular episode, Jeff and I invited two leaders in a movement in the Lutheran Church called Decolonizing Lutheranism. So this movement is basically talking about... There's four principles in the movement, and they're talking about how they would like to see relationships within the Lutheran Church to be more than just saying, okay, we're all white people, straight people, and we really need to think of broader terms, because the reality is the Lutheran Church is much bigger than that. So Lenny Duncan is a seminary student, Francisco Rivera, no, Francisco Herrera is a doctorate student in Chicago, and so they came on the podcast, and this is, this clip is a uh, point in the episode was when we're talking about decolonizing evangelism and what that means to him. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.
3: Because <laughs> I love Jesus.
1: Amen.
3: I love him. I love him. I got nick this. tattooed on my left peck sisters brothers and everyone in between I love Jesus I love him why do so many people in this country in this church why are they so ashamed of their faith in Jesus I think somewhere Mark said something about that those who are ashamed of me before my father I will then be ashamed of them before God I just don't get it. You want to talk about something that can decolonize this church? Start evangelizing, because you know what? Our brothers and sisters in Asia sure, certainly love Jesus, and they go everywhere. Last time I checked, I think that Korea actually per capita sends the largest number of missionaries out in the world. Korea, not to mention our brothers and sisters in West Africa, in North Africa, in China, you know. And this country needs Jesus. It does but we need to show a Jesus that resonates with the reality of our past as a church, that we understand that we have things to repent of, both as an institution and as a, and as a faith, and as a people. We got to get on our knees and pray and crawl and throw some ashes on, but because, we, you know, as a church we've kind of screwed up, but God is going to be with there to help pick us up and show us the way to go. And if the church that so many people in this country don't like and that we are actively trying to atone for but at the same time to go forward and to bring people into the church, they're going to want to see this kind of humbled Christianity. They're going to want to see Christians that say, yeah, the church is really screwed up. Yeah, we did this. Yeah, we were tools for racism and violence. Yeah. We've been, you know, so often the eager lubricant of capitalism and the exploitation of black and brown people all over the world. Yes, we have done this as a church, but we were repenting of this. And it, this kind of, 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 a, of a broken and still trying and still loving God and still loving Jesus, this is the kind of thing that people will resonate with.
1: If you want to hear more of this awesome material, Please come back and join us on Friday, where we will have a full interview with Lenny and Francisco about the decolonized Lutheranism movement. They might not have, hands, but <laughs> <they> <laughs> have We like to get deep and then keep it light. Keep it light. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, after that, Francisco went on and talked about how he goes to a lot of open mics, and he says, you know, people they do love Jesus but they don't necessarily love the church. Mm-hmm. And because we are a flawed church, and if we are not able to really recognize that and kind of change our ways, then we don't really have a bright future. For me, that, that episode, you know, we really kind of started really hitting the heart of what we re- really want to. We, one of the things we like to do in our podcast is really to open our minds and open ourselves to the possibilities of change in our church. And, and that was really kind of impactful for me.
0: What has reaction to that show been like?
1: It's been awesome. You know, people have really responded to it. It's our second most listened to podcast episode at this point. You know, people are freely sharing it. And, and we've gotten a lot of feedback on just how our ability to really kind of help support this. Because this is one of the first times that they really went public with their message and saying this is who we are and really kind of narrowing down and defining the movement that they're trying to start so it was really really cool.
0: Mihi I uh, took the liberty of doing an excerpt from your Holy Week show from upgrade, last year yeah. uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know if you want to uh, set up what you were trying to do in that show.
2: I honestly don't remember so you might have to say. it up.
0: <laughs> um, Well I'll tell you what impressed me about it. <laughs> One of the things I find so cool about your show is there are there's a lot of audio texture in it. I, and you talk about people sending in recordings of coffee grinders and kids in the back. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was what you were doing and where mm-hmm. some of that was coming from. But you also have audio in there of the uh, district attorney in Ferguson mm-hmm. uh, declining d- uh, at the press conference, de- declining to prosecute uh, mm-hmm. Darren Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about flowers coming up in spring and Holy Week. It's just, it's kind of... A, Anyway, it's all over the place, and it's really wonderful. (laughs) That sounds Um, like it's
2: pretty accurate to my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I I hope this clip, which is about three minutes long, uh, reflects that. It's actually a short episode. It's only like 12 or 13 minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, so it's well worth your time to listen to the whole thing. So this was
2: last year? Okay, that's why I can't remember, because it was more than a month ago. Right. (laughs) week was a thin place. It often has that quality for me as I feel the communities all around the world pour their energy into this yearly tradition. I can feel the collective angling towards the narrative events of this week, the reenactment of the Last Supper, the Gethsemane Garden, Jerusalem, and Calvary. And I feel the way it clashes a bit with spring awakening all around me and the trees budding pink and white tulips and crocuses stretching to the sky, birds chasing each other in their mating rituals, and all the moments of feeling like I'm hanging on by my fingernails with the day in and day out with equally restless children. They go from crying and whining to maniacally laughing at some unknown and secret joke to fighting over the smallest object. It's this collision of time and happenings all around me as I reflect on the rituals of Monday Thursday, Good Friday and Easter vigil that provides a doorway to this thin place, a realization that something is brewing beneath the surface. Some of it pours out of the cracks and crevices from the way everything constantly brushes up against each other. Our
6: state government for better uh, And it's something that, you know, I'm proud to serve our state. Uh, and I'll show up every day to defend the actions of the people that we all. So we can disagree with it. There's policy arguments to be made. I think this, um, your ability to speak
2: out, uh, not just about the one bill, but about the other issues that are important, are part of the same protections and freedoms that I stand for every day. The twins and Oz run around the playground and then periodically come up to where the crowd is gathered listening to various speakers. They've got posters too and cheer along with my periodic loud affirmations. Someone holds up a sign at the rally that says, no hate in my state. And I think about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples at that last supper and the simple words he says, love one another.
0: So I had that wrong. That was Mike Pence. You talk about Darren Wilson later in the episode, Yeah,
2: though. yeah, yeah. That's right. And I remember. It's all coming back. <laughs> yeah, the Religious Freedom Act, um, or Restoration Act, yeah. RIFRA. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So and, uh, can you say more about the creative process that was happening in that episode?
2: Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot going on at... Um, so many, so many levels um, at the time with uh, the kids. I have three kids, twins that are five, and then a three-year-old. So at the time, they were a little bit younger, and you can imagine even more hellacious than they are right now, and what they sound like. You know, there was so much going on within the church and outside of the church in terms of our communities. We were at a protest at the time because Indiana was trying to pass discrimination uh, legislation. I don't know who that was actually. I don't know if it was Mike Pence. It was somebody in his cabinet. Um, he had come down and and. Mike Pence was actually supposed to be there, but he mm. backed out at the last minute. It, it just is uh, sort of substance and fodder and material for me to work with in terms of trying to understand how to be in this world and how to shape sort of these realities that are occurring all around me through uh, the lens of scripture. It was Holy Week, so I felt particularly sensitive to some of those struggles and wanted to try to uh, just bring them To the forefront, to where I was situated at the time. You know, I think that a lot of my writing and speaking sound the same. I mean, if I'm, you know, preaching or whatever, not off the cuff, but a lot of my writing and speaking sound pretty similar in terms of you know, a little bit more, like trying to use a little bit more poetry in terms of images and and that sort of language. Um, And so again, it's just a way for me to have a creative outlet. You know, it's a lot like like putting a tapestry together, you know, you've got all these different little pieces and I sort of mishmash and quilt them together. And then I feel like I'm making something sort of beautiful in that expression. In a lot of ways it's for me too, you know, in terms of sort of a way for me to find some sort of therapeutic kind of Hmm. release.
0: Well, thank you for putting it out there. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Thanks. Casey, you're up next. Do you want to talk about the clip we're going to play here?
4: Sure. I, I, I wasn't sure what to choose because I, I'm i telling the stories every week, and there wasn't a, 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 sort of an aha moment for me. I started podcasts, a different podcast originally, and I had a lot of aha moments in its sort of failure. And so but <laughs> all of Story Divine was sort of an aha <laughs> to me. But this clip is, um, is actually pieces of me telling the same story in two different ways. The the second one is informed by a story about Dietrich Bonhoeffer right before, when he had decided he was going to go back to Nazi Germany. He decided he couldn't return after the war with integrity, that he needed to be there. And it was such a strong and faithful decision, but at Union Seminary they, they tell the story that the night before he returned he sat in a closet, chain-smoking the whole night. Um, Hmm. You imagine him wrecked with fear and yet still making this really faithful decision. And Richard Swanson, who is a professor of New Testament at Augustana College, uses that story to inform John's text. So John often has, uh, you know, you see Jesus, I know what I'm gonna do, this is why I came to do it. That's how I tell the first time. And then the second time, I am Jesus chain-smoking. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so. But the first time, I'm going to tell it with this boldness from Jesus and John that I first read into it. And then the second time, I'm going to tell it a little bit differently. As if, even though Jesus knows he must do all of these things, he is still struggling with that decision. Listen. This is the story of God, for the people of God. Telling One Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Humanity to be glorified. Truly, I'm telling you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Telling two. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Humanity to be glorified. Truly, I, I'm telling you, Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is terror-stricken. And what should should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it's for this reason that I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Nice.
0: Gosh, I know at the very end there, you can hear God whispering to Jesus, to Jesus or Bonhoeffer in the closet there. Mm-hmm. So I have a question about one of your word choices, though. Mm-hmm. So in the first reading, you have "My soul is troubled." and in the second you have my soul is terror-stricken.
4: Right. So that is from Dr. Swanson. He has amazing commentaries called the Provoking the Gospel series. He has one for each gospel. And he is also involved with the the Network of Biblical Storytellers, which is how I got started with all of this. And he his translation, which is really interesting and definitely provocative, translates it as terror-stricken. Hmm. Which really casts a different uh, light and and for me, that doesn't some people need Jesus to be on the path to know what he's doing. you know there's a reason that he di- that he needed to die. He knew from the beginning, so no big deal. and for me this this other reading is not threatening at all. It's where I can access Jesus and I think where the world can better relate to who he was in the flesh while while he was on the earth
0: well, um. My clip is a little cheerful. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, good. Are there cats?
0: <laughs> there, there are not cats in it, but I, I do have Brittany, to tell you. Brittany. So Brittany is not in this one either, but it does involve singing. Uh, so, and I was thinking about it, actually, Casey, in your uh, workshop today. So uh, for those of you listening uh, who didn't have the benefit of being a deformation, formation it was packed. back to the point you had to like seriously adjust your plan
4: i had some adjustment to do yeah so
0: i you know i think it's a really hopeful sign for the church that that many people are interested in in learning to tell the stories of the bible though so that's great but what i thought was really cool i guess i'll direct everybody to faithandwonder.com to see this stuff was these really kind of collaborative videos of people collaborating across distance to tell Mm -hmm. a story The clip that I chose is another instance of uh, of that kind of creative process uh, where we worked with our listeners to create a Christmas carol. We were encouraged to do this as a result of our 100th episode, the music that we started off this podcast with. He's some Dutch reformed guy in Canada who puts his music out under a Creative Commons license, and so I just picked it up. But as we approached our 100th episode, I just reached out to him on Twitter, and I said, hey, do you mind if I interview you for episode number 100 and he he did and it was great i'll just let uh, this go from there
5: <laughs> so those of you who listened to our 100th episode which i'm certain was all of you because it was amazing it was. might recall that Aaron devries of little mortal flesh keep silence fame invited us to submit a track for the badgerland christmas album so
3: like badgerland is now this place where just you know if you stumble on it and you happen to have the urge to sing a
0: song, and you send it to this guy in Canada. He will post it on the internet along with a whole bunch of other things. And well, I, I can guarantee that your listeners uh, do not want a submission from me. I am distinctly lacking in musical talent. That that may in yeah. fact
1: be a, a stronger case for you to submit something.
0: Yeah, and uh, specifically, he suggested that we could do a crazy spoken word thing over xylophones
5: he did say that i think that that was in response to you saying we don't sing which is true (laughs) but regardless uh we did consider that option but let's be real neither of us
0: has a xylophone exactly that that's the only thing stopping us really
5: it's true or a theremin i would go with a theremin as well be like (laughs) exactly Just like that. (laughs) So we have decided instead
0: to crowdsource. Yes. So here's what's going to happen, friends. Sam Avot, a friend of the show, has already recorded for us a piano track for the song that we are going to do. Get out your hymnal 1982s, everybody, uh, Mm -hmm. and open up to hymn number 92. coolest thing to make something with our listeners who are the best. Uh, So, you know, I can't sing um, Holly, I love you, but your voice is even worse than mine. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) you're not even here to defend yourself. Uh, (laughs) It was amazing that, you know, over the couple years that Holly and I have been doing this show that we've developed enough of a relationship with our listeners uh, that they're willing to participate in a project like that with us. And so it was a real high point for me.
4: So this is all through a website?
0: Well, no, so we oh, the Badgerland thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you want to hear more of Aaron's music, go to badgerland.bandcamp.com. <laughs> uh, but what 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 he does is it's he hits him and his brother and a group of their friends. It's kind of a musical family. And so they started out just you know, recording stuff and creating an online Christmas album every year. Uh, but then he was like, he sort of opens it up if anybody mm. wants to send one in. And so when when we did the interview, he's like, send, send me something. And so we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he posted it on the internet. <laughs>
2: it reminds me a little bit of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, his uh, hit record, kind of the production team or the production company sort of approach to these really creative projects, you know, videos, music, writing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like that's Casey awesome. has, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, yeah.
0: Before we wrap up, because uh, it is getting a little late, uh, we would love to take any questions or comments from our audience, and please come up and grab a mic, or Regina can bring you a mic if she's willing to do that. If Do we have a detachable one?
2: No, no just it not is. <laughs> something hey, amazing
4: today. that's awesome whoa there's Questions,
6: so many wires there right I'll ask a question
4: way in the back Yeah. <laughs> my question is how steep and how high was the learning curve for you when you started podcasting and how long did it take you before you felt like you knew what you were doing
1: I'm waiting for the day until I know what I'm doing <laughs> so when I get to a project I kind of dive in head first and become even what my wife described as a little obsessive over it. Mm-hmm. So I listen to a lot of podcasts about podcasting. Gone to many websites and there's a, there's a resource out there. Um, there's Podcast Answer Man, Cliff Ravenscraft. So he has a website and anything you want to know about podcasting, I type it in there. He has tutorial videos and everything. So I, I listen to a lot of those episodes. So that's kind of where I learned how to do my setup and he he has a statistic that says, if you get past episode seven in a podcast, you're doing better than many other podcasters. And that's kind of like the magic number. If you're getting past that, then yeah, you're you're doing a you're doing a good thing and might even have a little longevity to it.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that probably right at about um, at eight weeks, maybe after eight eight or nine episodes, like I felt like I was starting to develop a little bit of a rhythm a little bit of a routine around, you know, collecting audio, writing a script, um, recording, and then, you know, doing the very meticulous editing or whatnot. I think that I would judge it based on how long it takes me to actually do it and it took me forever in the very beginning <laughs> to do just like a three minute I just wanted to try it out and I did this sort of like three minute introduction and I think it really took me 10 hours to do that three minutes. And that sounds insane when I say that out loud. Um, (laughs) But uh, now it probably, you know, for like about a 20-minute kind of um, Episode. episode, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm blanking, you know, it probably takes about five hours, like half that time maybe even a little bit less depending on like if i'm really excited and then i'm just kind of motoring through it and then same thing you know like where i just ignore my husband and everybody and just kind of do it and then i really enjoy it too then it doesn't feel like a burden right
4: as i said i if you you can find it on itunes i started i wanted to do an advent podcast and i did for uh like like a fifth of advent um (laughs) and it was it's called the jesse tree podcast But I I was uh, so ambitious, I wanted to do a daily Podcasts in Advent telling the stories from the Jesse tree. Do you know that the stories from the Jesse tree are like the longest stories? <laughs> and no less I wanted sound effects like I was trying to do sound effects and like real More like story theater stuff sort of a little another step removed from my regular storytelling um, And that was really fun until I lost my voice <laughs> immediately oh, no. and then the editing takes I mean, it really would take me 10 to 12 hours per episode and and I just, I had to, like, you know, seven, I think I got nine episodes in and I was like, I, I, I can't do it. I like physically can't do this anymore,
2: mm-hmm.
4: as my therapist would say. It was a great opportunity for learning. Um, that I could just let that go, and then and then and then at the end of January I started Story Divine, and so it was it was pretty smooth from there because I was like no sound effects, really short, you know, pick and choose what you want to tell and um, and be be free to just do your thing. So the technology piece I had been doing a little bit of stuff with Final Cut Pro, so I just edit in. Final Cut Pro because it was what I already knew and I didn't want to learn another program. Um, And I got a USB mic and plugged it into the computer and that was it. I have all this fancy stuff now sitting in boxes. I bought it before I had a baby (laughs) and then the baby has not helped me yet.
1: (laughs) Baby needs to carry the wires. He needs to carry
4: something. Uh, So yeah, that's that's my story.
0: So for me, I'm kind of I'm amazed that I was thought to be, like, knowledgeable enough to be invited here uh, to talk about it. Uh, Because I I had no idea what I was doing when I started. Uh, I I looked at YouTube videos and banged my head against a wall for, you know, hours. For me, I I guess I got to some minimum level of competence fairly quickly. Uh, But part of that was because uh, when when Holly and I launched the show, it was just a seven-week pilot project. We made no commitment to, to do anything beyond that. Uh, But between recording our first episode and recording our second episode, uh, my mother died of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I think everybody sort of understands that kind of crazy level of grief. Um, And the podcast was something to throw myself into. And I'm so thankful that uh, we were doing it because having made the commitment to the show kept me engaged with my faith when I was like, I don't know about any of this stuff anymore, but I'm just—I'm just, I'm just going to keep going as if I do. Um, and uh, and I'm incredibly grateful to Holly for that. Uh, but uh, you know, there's no plus side to any of this. But a side effect was that I took all the time I needed to figure this stuff out. And the show's still—you know—it's messy all the time. I have such a hard time with consistent volume levels. Uh, but uh, you know, I got to come do stuff like this, so that's fun. <laughs>
3: So I have, I have a tech question, and then I have a, I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. nine o'clock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh so That's why we have editing. So Perfect. Go where you need to go. Um, so one question is, um, I work on the Episcopal Asset Map, and what I'm realizing is that this project is um, kind of a project that every mainline Christian tradition is doing, which is our numbers suck, and so <laughs> we need to tell the story of the church in a mm-hmm. new and different way. Mm-hmm that doesn't involve us talking about how many people show up on church on Sunday morning because it's actually not important. So one, how do you motivate people to either tell their story on your podcast or what was the motivating factor for you to feel like you had the power to tell your story? Because I'm realizing that that's really hard for people. Mm-hmm. They don't think they have the power or the, the it's not their job somehow or something mm-hmm. to tell their story.
0: Well, so I'll start a, a subtext of, of our podcast that I guess I'm now going to make text is that uh, as Holly and I were doing the show, we realized how little practice we had talking about our faith in sort of a genuine, open way. Mm -hmm. And so part of how we bring guests on the show is if you talk to us on Twitter enough, you're going to be a guest.
6: (laughs) 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 So (laughs) yeah, look,
0: you, you, and this does not count as a guest. You're going to be like a legit. I, I'm pointing at Regina here. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so no. I we we and other people who've talked to us on Twitter who haven't been guests yet. Don't worry. We know who you are. Uh, <laughs> But it really is that as we discovered that this was helping us find a voice to talk about our faith as lay people. it's been a motivator to us to get other people involved in that conversation. So, you know, sometimes we have Episcopal famous people on the show. And, you know, Scott Gunn's been on the show. Andy Doyle's been on the show. A lot of times it's just, it's regular people going about uh, their lives who are interested in participating in the conversation. I, I hope we're having some effect that way.
4: Biblical storytelling, I think, is a great entry point for people to have some bravery around telling their own stories. Um, A lot of times, people are intimidated by Scripture, but if you just start workshopping it with them, and this is not necessarily what I do on the podcast, but a lot of times in my introductory workshops, I will have them tell the story, and then I'll have them pair up and tell a personal story related to that story uh, to each other. And so that is what I try to do on my podcast which is you know tell the story do a personal storytelling prompt and sometimes I say now go back and listen to the scriptural story so that you're connected somehow and I have on occasion received um, emails from people saying here is my story of infertility for instance that they're given permission to connect their own uh, stories with the stories of God and I think when you, when you read scripture with any sort of an inflection like you care about it or um sorry i'm really sarcastic or uh, <laughs> or when you tell biblical stories as whole narratives it does invite people in to feel something about the scripture mm-hmm. which i think so so much of uh, at least in the reform tradition so much of what we were taught is like scripture you need to present it matter of factly uh, don't interpret it that's what the sermon is for um, there should be a, a separation there and I don't know that if we learn that in, intrinsically in, if they outrightly taught that in seminary but, at, but there was something to that that I, I needed to break away from um, and it's one of the best things that I've done for my own personal life and I've become more comfortable telling the
1: story of my faith for me it's, it's a confidence thing when I preach, for example, I'm a manuscript preacher, and when I give talks, I don't feel as comfortable telling my story without preparation, and I think that's part of my history in, in with dyslexia and ADD and all that kind of stuff. So getting on a podcast and just speaking from my heart really uh, helps me in building that confidence and that ability to tell my story and, and to talk about my faith in a different way than what I am used to when I'm speaking from the pulpit but also I found that when you're authentic and you just kind of get, get in front of the mic and just be real it really has a profound effect on people because when you're listening to a podcast typically you're listening with the earbuds and you, it's a, such an intimate personal experience people really are able to connect in, in a way with, that's different from video or, or reading a blog or anything like that.
2: I think yeah, I mean I try um and I try to do this through the podcast but to just really be attentive to what's happening around us um to be attentive to what's happening in my life and what God is doing all around me. And it's a way for me to express that and to talk about it. And I hope that um, it encourages people to do that as well. And I do get requests from folks who want to share as well, um, you know, who are resonating with this kind of process, you know, and this kind of engagement. I think you're right that it is scary to be vulnerable and to to share um, and to be really engaged in our own stories. Um, But I think that once you do, you know, there's something that's really transformative that happens. Um, and it's, it is really powerful.
0: So we are after uh, 9 o'clock here, and uh, I was only guaranteed that we could be in this space till 9. So uh, I, I think we better wrap it up. We are so glad to have you all here. Uh, before we uh, close down, uh, why don't we just go down the line? Everybody uh, tell us how to find yourselves.
2: Casey Fitzgerald.
4: You can find me on Twitter, at Casey Fitzgerald, or my Podcast is storiedivine.com or my website and my other website is faithandwonder.com.
2: This everyday and I'm on Twitter as just Mihi kimcourt M-I-H-E-E-K-I-M-K-O-R-T. And the website is This Everyday Holy.
1: Most social media platforms, I'm Pastor Joe M C and my personal website is Pastorjoe.me and my podcast is twobaldpastors.com. <laughs> And my podcast is The Collect Call. That's
0: spelled like collect call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
6: and,
0: <laughs> and we are uh, on Twitter at The Collect Call. And you can find us on the web at Acts8 Movement slash uh, The Collect Call. There's hyphens between the collect hyphen call. <laughs> and uh, and. Um, God, that was amazing. Um, and <laughs> <laughs>
1: or just um, pushed zero any pay phone. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. What's that?
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, and
0: I am on Twitter uh, as Indie Brendan. Thank you all so much for being here tonight, and have a great conference.
6: <clears throat> Let our mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand ponder nothing earthly minded for with blessing in his hand christ our god to earth descended our full homage to